beautiful Hollywood. Beautiful. Hello and welcome to it. This is Beautiful Hollywood, live from the LA Talk Radio Studios in Los Angeles. My name is Melanie Camp and this is the show that takes a look at what it takes to have your dreams come true. Below the shiny surface of success, there is persistence, there's faith, guts, passion. And today we are chatting to a woman who has years of all of that under her belt, photographer Sunny Back. Now, when Sunny was a kid growing up in Manhattan, New York City, she fell in love with the theatre and playing hooky from school from the tender age of 12, she would ride the subway uh, to catch Broadway matinees. And her journalist father gave her her first camera, a Nikon rangefinder, and she would use that to take photos of all the Broadway stars, many of those Came, went, came on to become her friends. And, uh, and by the time she was 14, Sunny was running around with the paparazzi in New York City taking photos. Uh, we're going to get her take on the time she talked back to Elizabeth Taylor in just a little bit. But by 18, Sunny had rented her first photography studio. She was doing fashion photography. The Beastie Boys were her stand-ins. She has a, such a crazy, crazy life. And I'm so excited to have her join us in the LA Talk Radio studios and chat about this life. Sunny back, welcome. Oh, hey, I'm a, maybe if I turn on your microphone, then you can actually talk. That would really help. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. Yay, Yay Sunny we made back it here. is in the house. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for coming in. I'm super excited because you did do, we'll talk about your childhood paparazzi days. <laughs> oh, God. Some, some kids do, I don't know, regular internships. You run around with the paparazzi of New York City. Um, but we have one of the photos that you took of Jackie O. You can go to Instagram and check that out. But your Jackie O print, you're going to be giving that away today. And if you want to win it, you need to be ready to call in when we tell you to call in. And this is the number that you're going to need. 818-602-4929. Remember that number. I'll tell it to you again. Um, And if you're listening to this later as a podcast, then we're probably not going to be live. But you can still win stuff and you can join the discussion beautifulhollywood.com is where you want to go and you can find all the social media links at beautifulhollywood.com or just follow us on instagram at beautifulhollywood oh that's all that admin out of the way yeah. <laughs> it felt like a track social through media. all of that but let's talk about this life of yours sunny oh gosh talk sure. about your life all about you um i just think it's oh. crazy because you i mean you're a photographer but when you started taking photos with the camera that your dad gave you, you didn't print a lot of them for a very long time. You were just using it to take the photos, but not actually have the photos. I love taking pictures. I fell in love with photography. Well, I fell in love with the magic of photography maybe when I was five. My dad brought me to a dark room, and I'd never even been in a dark room, but I saw pictures magically appear in the water, you know, and it was like, whoa, it blew my mind. So I always liked photography, but when I was 12 and I got my own camera and I learned how to bulk load film, uh, I just started getting into the process. Yeah. Um, so taking pictures was great, and I would process it in, the, in my parents' bathroom, um, make contact sheets in the dark, and uh, just you know learn photography really slowly because I didn't have anybody to teach it to me. I just learned from reading things or reading instructions on the the film and the books and stuff. And uh, I had a great time. I, I learned how to do stuff. But I was there was so much happening on Broadway that I would shoot. I just never got around to printing that many things. And I didn't really have any venue to – nobody wanted them necessarily. So yeah. And I think it was expensive. I guess it's an expensive hobby for a – for a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an expensive hobby, I guess. Oh, hence the bulk loading. Um, so I took a lot of pictures. And it wasn't until much, much later that I really started looking at the contact sheets. And I'm still looking through a bunch of them now and going, oh, my God, I shot, that's Alfred Hitchcock. Or oh that's Andy yeah. Warhol. Or, you know, all these different people that I shot. I, I don't think I even really knew who they were when I shot them. Because I was just following the paparazzi and shooting who they were shooting. Some people I knew, some people I didn't. But I was only 12. I didn't really ever see an Alfred Hitchcock movie. 
Yeah, uh, you're just like, okay, so, they're all very excited about this oh, this old dude. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll shoot that. And, you know, much later, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Jenna Rollins. I love her, you know. Oh, so. that's, oh, my gosh. that Now, that could be kind of fun going through your own photos. Yeah. And I'm like, I did, what? What is that? What is that? I mean, how did you end up? It all began with Broadway. You loved the theatre and you would get on the train and you would head down to Times Square. Times Square was not a good place when you were 12, was it? It wasn't like the best place for a 12-year-old to be hanging out. Yeah, it was all hookers and porn and, you know, very exciting things. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what triple X meant. It just was there on the marquee. But but all I knew was that two gentlemen of Verona was playing at the St. James Theater, and it was really great, and I fell in love, and I would see that show over and over again because I didn't even realize that down the road was hair and Jesus Christ superstar I just knew that theater yeah so I kept on going to see the show at that theater so I saw 1776 and then it went away and then two gentlemen of Verona played there so I saw that 60 times really (laughs) yeah and then I just and then eventually I think when I was like 14 or something then I started seeing the other shows the one across the street Pippin and then Chicago, and then Seesaw. So it was a very slow uh, process because everything that I saw, I would fall in love with, and I would just keep on going to that show. And just keep watching. watching. Yeah. Do you watch theatre now? Are you Do you love theatre now? I can't do... afford theatre now. I can barely <laughs> afford a $463 ticket to Hamilton. Like, oh if you have a friend, gosh. that's how much you can get a ticket for it. It's like crazy. That's so true. What about as a kid, though? How did you get the money for the theater when you were a kid? Well, it was like $2 to go to a standing room show. So I would just stand in the back for $2. That I had. Yeah. Um, how, hang on, wait. How did you say? Because I've got to say, you're you're actually quite uh, petite. <laughs> <laughs> I could... I could stand in the aisle. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I suppose people would be like, oh. And everybody's sitting, beh- yeah, behind, in front of you, everybody's sitting and you're standing in the back of the row and those tickets are really cheap. So I would do that a lot. And then if there were free seats, then when nobody's looking, you could sort of duck into a seat. Ah, and no one was going to chase you away. I imagine you were pretty cute, they 12 didn't, year old. No, well, I don't know. It was dark. Nobody saw. <laughs> no one saw. No but one. Um, yeah, it was good times because... You know, kids could see shows then, and I feel like now it's only for the elite. That know? not that interesting how it has evolved to become, yeah, more of an elite, you know, we, uh, yeah, I mean, t- unless you're sitting right at the back in the nosebleed seats. Yeah. It's sort of open to people who can afford a $400 ticket. Yeah, even the nosebleed seats are like $50. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. But, um... Lucky you got all your theatre in back then. I mean, what made you... So what, what about... Why did you choose photography then and not theatre? Why did you not get into the theatre? I loved theatre and I, I think I wanted to be a stage manager uh, to begin with. I, I, maybe I started wanting to be an actor, but I looked around and I'm like, nobody looks like me. It's by Ark Lee. I could do flower drum song for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, but... Nobody else looks like me. How and much did so that, that as a as a kid? I mean, you like your your ma your mother's uh, Chinese Indonesian, is she? And yep. your dad is Korean. Korean was Korean. So yeah. that was it really the way you looked. But like back then, you felt that was. Did you feel? Would you say you felt it was a limit to well, your choices in? I don't know. I mean, I I guess I just realized that I didn't really think of it as a limit. I just thought, oh, that yeah. she that kid doesn't nobody looks like me and you know just realize that yeah so I just went on and I'm like what could I do and I really enjoyed making things happen and I didn't know what a producer was but I knew what a stage manager was and they looked like they were having a great time and doing stuff and making it happen and I thought that's what I want to do I want to be a stage manager so I did that in um high school I was a stage manager at Lincoln Center for one of my courses at Sidious School, uh, my high school. Wow. So I got to do that and work at the Equity Library Theater. That's it. You lived a real New York kid's life, didn't you? Yeah, totally. Didn't even know that it was as special as it was. Yeah, that's amazing. So when did the transition from 
uh, photography then become more than a hobby? It sounds like you were into the idea of working in theatre, but then at some point photography I was always taking pictures. Um, I think, uh, well, people started to want to buy my photos, and uh, so I would make money to to see shows by them buying the photo. Ah. And uh, then eventually I sold a photo to... um, to uh, People Magazine, a photo of Billie Jean King reading People Magazine, and it appeared in People. And I just thought, oh, I, maybe I can do something here. And my mom was a, fa- a, a pattern maker, so fashion was part of my life, and I thought, I want to shoot fashion. Yeah. So I just started. Right, and just so you started doing it. transitioned from paparazzi photographer. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever sell anything as a paparazzi? Um, well, when I was a kid, I used to make these buttons. So, uh, my dad had a button machine yeah. where you pull down the lever and it crunches yeah. stuff into a button. So I would hand draw the logo to Broadway shows and sell these pins to the cast members of the shows. So that's how I got money to, like, I would sell a lot of them yeah and sell them to the cast and stuff and oh my gosh i wonder if anyone has any of those i still have a few but yeah some people do i think um and so that's how i made money yeah not so much in my photography and uh it wasn't until later you know when i was like 17 18 then i had my own studio and i started working for teen magazine and mccall's and gray advertising and stuff like that but it was a very slow slow process yeah yeah that's a bit very entrepreneurial it sounds like you were always hustling hustling yeah. <laughs> i'm a new yorker i'm always hustling <laughs> is that it is it a new york is it was it just a new york it kind of be, state of mind because it's a rat race right yeah and yeah it's always like yeah do it make money do this i don't know yeah yeah but money was never really the big you know motivator it was more the theater so the money was only the way to get to go to the theater. A means to getting to the theater. Yeah. I see. So it was always, yeah. always like yeah. driven by the And then theater. buying more photography toys, you yeah. know, I, later. I, yeah, I see. Yeah. And then so. how, as, so tell us about your days running around. I mean, I just think it's fascinating to imagine a, you as a 14 year old running around with a bunch of rough paparazzi guys who was smoking and elbowing people out of the way. Like, yeah, what was there that weren't like? that many. I didn't feel like there were that many. It's not like it is today. Sometimes it would be. Sometimes if Elizabeth Taylor is around, then, you know, there's hordes of people, fans and paparazzi. But on a daily basis around Broadway, there weren't a lot of paparazzi. There were maybe two or three that were just hanging around and we all just sort of, got to know each other, not as friends or anything, but just as colleagues. So how did you, what did you, just, how, what made you walk up to them and be like, I just hi it. guys, I don't sunny. even know why the heck I did it. I just was doing it. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Were they hanging around Broadway? I mean, I guess there was the Broadway stars and the back the Broadway stars, but you know, every night on Broadway, somebody, some celebrity was coming to see a Broadway show. Right. So Jackie O would show up or... Um, I don't know, Andy Warhol or, you know, there were just every night there was David Jones or from the monkeys or something, you know, or whoever, just people would show up and you just have to recognize them and take a picture and, or see who the other paparazzi guys were taking a picture of and just sneak away. (laughs) So what about, I mean, did you know who, you knew who Elizabeth Taylor was though? Oh yeah. I mean, she had, uh, she was amazing. Her eyes really are violet in person that like, they're like, wow, they're not blue. They're not. They're purple. They're violet, oh and my so gosh. yeah, amazing. And and uh, yeah, I would, uh, you know, w- I guess we discovered her one night at the theater, and then I would follow her from the, the- from the theater. She saw Carol Channing and Lorelai or something, and then she would go home, and I fo- stayed with the paparazzi. So we followed her all around the city for four days and four nights straight. Wow! So that was fun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I didn't really take great pictures of her. Um, I took a lot, but you know, this everything that happened happened so fast, and and uh, it was exciting. It was a great 
Yeah, Tell I me. actually have one of your paparazzi pictures of Elizabeth Taylor. The story behind that picture is that uh, we were waiting for her outside the Waldorf Astoria where she was staying. And night, you know, out, night after night, she'd stay out till 2 or 3 in the morning. And one night she said to me, aren't you a little young to be out this late? Like at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, I could go to bed earlier if you'd go in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the mouth on me. Anyway, and what so the say? next night, she went in at 12 o'clock. Oh, <laughs> so, really? And I thought that was really funny. I would. Li- I wonder if it, I'm sure. I love the, the idea that she was out for dinner and went, what's the time? You know, that little kid paparazzi is going to be out there. We need to go to bed. It's time for bed. <laughs> I don't know. But I thought that was really funny. And then, you know, in the morning, we'd be back there waiting for her to get up and go out. So we'd follow her all day, all night. How early would she go out? Not till later. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, not till so later. She, she was definitely a night owl then. I think so at that time. Did a lot of the celebrities that you were photographing, you were catching as a, as a paparazzi, did they did they take note? Did they look and go, "Hey, no, what is the kid doing?" No, no, not at all. Because they're just trying to go wherever they're going. They don't yeah. see who's taking pictures. They're just being bothered by this horde of paparazzi. So right. Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and Catherine Hepburn, you know, you, everybody's like, please, just give me some room. And <laughs> you're right up there, right up on their face and walking backwards and focusing and shooting. Yeah, right. I mean, that must be some pretty amazing training for a photographer. It's great training and focusing fast. Yeah. I think I learned a lot. Um, and it's why I shot so fast in, in uh, fashion photography. Yeah, you know, I could focus fast, shoot fast, and was that for runway stuff or or? for runway or for even when I'm doing a shoot? You know, at that time, I think I shot pretty fast because of my paparazzi drill camp. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what a what a way to learn. What do you think about the idea of? I mean, you learnt on the streets, literally learnt your trade on the streets. Yeah, (laughs) your photography trade on the streets. Um, (laughs) What do you think of? institutionalized creativity i mean we talk about how expensive the theater is getting i feel that sometimes to get a creative education these days is very expensive well i think that's why i never went to like art center in pasadena well first of all i didn't even know about it really at that time i knew about fit because my mom had gone to fit and i applied to go to the photography course and i couldn't get in because my photos were all paparazzi photos. They were not fashion photos. I didn't have a fashion portfolio. Oh my gosh, and how old were you? And I was 12, oh, 16 <laughs> or 17 when you applied, right? Yeah. 17 maybe. Yeah. So I didn't have the portfolio and I didn't really know about it. I didn't really have a mentor to, you know, or anybody in school that advised me what to do. And my mom had no idea about photography or what it would take to have a portfolio for that so um yeah I just wound up learning in the school of life yeah and learning slowly and learning photography by um when I had a big studio I rented out my studio to different photographers and I'd watch closely to what they were doing and I'd learn that way yeah kind of and uh so it was just because it wasn't even like to be uh, to be sort of someone's assistant wasn't really a thing for female photographers. Well, day, it, yeah, it? because they nobody wanted to hire a young girl. You know, they would have wanted to hire a young buff guy. Uh, they feel bad if you're they're carrying you know you're carrying their equipment. I carried my own equipment just fine. Yeah, but nobody wanted to give a kid or a girl a chance in those days. Wow. So, yeah, there weren't a lot of female photographers. Yeah, so you just, and but did you find, was there ever a time when you were like, oh, that's, this is, this is too hard, or did you just always have that attitude of finding a way around? I, I just always kept doing it. My dad always used to say, I mean, later in life, but he, he was always like, never give up. Never give up. And I think that that kind of attitude was ingrained in me just automatically. Just do what you want to do. Keep doing what you want to do. And you'll be doing what you want to (laughs) do. Yeah, right. So, yes, 
that's so true isn't it It yeah. is. well it's persistence it's persistence is, yeah is one of the biggest um attributes of people who do succeed yeah i guess so I, you know now <laughs> i can't believe i'm looking back on you know not so much on my life because there's so much i'm doing going forward but you know to just have a moment to go and say well what's in this box what did i shoot what you know and so with uh yeah, with work being as it is, it it seems like I'm, you know, having more time to do that. Yeah. And discovering stuff. Like opening a box of Beastie Boy photos after 25 years, you know, and just seeing, oh, my God, I have all these pictures of the Beasties from the 80s, and these are amazing. Yeah. So, you know, finally printing some of them. Oh, and, that's so uh, Yeah, it's been exciting. I mean, they hung around a lot at your studio, didn't <laughs> yeah. they? <laughs> in the 80s before the license to ill days yeah just so as they were uh the end of the young and the useless which was their punk rock band yeah and they were just starting to be the beastie boys and they were playing around locally and stuff but really i just saw them as the friends of david skilkin who came along and they were the beastie boys and they would always hang out at my studio yeah so you used to use them because i loved some of the photos that you've pulled out recently are photos of the beastie boys in the studio sets being oh. your like stand-ins for you to set the lights and you do little test shots yeah. and they're sitting posing like models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was doing fashion a lot and these guys would be coming in and I'm just about to have a shoot and so I'd be like, stand over there, stand on here, let me focus, let me set the lights, let me get stuff together. All right, I'll take some pictures and then like get out of the way, let's go. Yeah, and then the models would come in. That's why they were hanging out. Was it? Uh, yeah, I figured that out much later. Oh, really? You were just I wasn't like... that swift. But I'm like, why are these guys always here? Oh, the girls. Uh, that might be it. Did any romances ever start at your studio? A few. Oh. A few. I'd say Adam Yelk had his share of my model friends. <laughs> oh, Adam. I miss him so much. But it's, yeah, he was, you know, he was a young guy. Yeah. Hormones and, you know, full effect. <laughs> Hormones yeah. and charm. Yeah. He's oh. a, he was a real charmer. He and Dave were real charmers. Yeah. So, so the models didn't complain then? No. <laughs> you know, they just felt like he was some little dirty boy they want to give a bath to. <laughs> what is that with dirty guys, those dirty smelly boys, and we just can't run? Dirty smelly rock stars. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. We want to give them a bath. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, yeah. I mean, you were. Did you always feel like one of the boys? Pretty like, much, I think yeah. so. Because we went to hang out, you know, at night with them. We'd go to Milk Bar and Palladium and. I don't know. I, yeah. At that time, I was going to Studio 54 a lot, too. Really? But, um, yeah, that, you know. Yeah, I felt days. like one of the guys. Yeah. But you weren't out at the time, or was it I not? wasn't out at the time, and, um, yeah, I think I was just coming out. Yeah. I didn't even really know it yet, either. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was... It was it was a good time, it was, you know. Yeah. But it did feel like one of the guys. And was it very, um, I mean, back in the 80s in New York and uh, in a, such an artistic community, did everyone feel free to be themselves and to explore who they were, like their sexuality or their art or their creativity? I, I felt like it was a time of really, yeah, of, of people coming out and being more free and just being comfortable they were everybody was experimenting i think mm. you know it was a very creative time and there was a lot of freedom and experimentation yeah i don't know it was it was an exciting time because anything went and everything did yeah right but, so you know there was no aids until it happened like in 85 86 then people were starting to you know guys are dying like crazy and it was just it was head spinning yeah that yeah. must have been a real i mean i suppose that's what it is you look at those days coming out of a time when there was so much oppression and then you had like the stonewall riots which really i think were probably a catalyst for people to look at the ridiculousness of the morals police and and limiting freedom and then you move into that time of the 80s and before aids when it was just 
such an amazing time when anything would have seemed possible and freedom must have been so important. And then how was it to start seeing that your friends were getting sick from this disease that no one really understood at the time? Yeah, it was a weird time. Um, but I felt like, um, you know, I didn't, you know, there weren't, I didn't feel like I wasn't part of that whole gay rights movement because I didn't really, I wasn't involved in the gay community in New York at during that time. Everybody was gay or not, you know, or bisexual or just sexual. And um, it just sort of was fluid, mm. I feel like. It's like just whatever happened, happened. There were no, not a lot of labels about it. They were just sort of, it was kind of fluid. Gender fluid. Yeah. You know, it was a, a freer time. It got more restricted or weirder later. I think with the AIDS thing, then you know came a stigma mm -hmm. about being gay, but um, at the in the early '80s, I feel like it was just sort of great and creative and wild and free, and oh, then and then yeah. and then later it became a thing, you know. Then yeah. then the homophobia came in with the AIDS. That's interesting. So it was almost like a resurgence of homophobia with the yeah, I think so with, the, with AIDS being such yeah. a, I suppose and it's a fear isn't it like yeah. any judgment against anything that's other than yourself or something you don't understand and I suppose people were scared yeah oh yeah for sure I mean I remember a commercial I don't know if it was in America but there was a commercial where the Grim Reaper was like bowling people down and it was like AIDS doesn't discriminate and it was this oh, idea wow. and there was and they had this little girl who kind of looked a bit like me with blonde hair and blue eyes who was getting bowled over by this bowling ball <gasps> It was like a really Horrible. scary commercial to like warn people of AIDS, but it was not based in any fact. It wasn't, I mean, you can't, you know, you, just, you don't so get AIDS horrible. if someone sneezes on you, you know. Yeah. So there was a lot of fear that was put out through. But at that time they didn't understand. know. They didn't know for sure. Oh. You know, like, well, I guess they did know. They knew that it was blood, but people didn't know. People were just sort of, yeah, uneducated terrified yeah and then we head back into an you know another wave of homophobia yeah i think so that's interesting that yeah. is interesting and now we all well, now we have a bunch of labels yeah lgbtq <laughs> what is it and L then Q X it's there's more something. than the q yeah. now i thought i was like really there's good because i was lgbtq i'm not sure what x is um yeah i mean i think it's good that people feel that they can define themselves how they want to define themselves and we should be free to be able to define ourselves but then sometimes i do like that you were talking about it was a time when everyone was no one really put a label on it yeah and sometimes i wonder i don't know humans always like to label and categorize things don't they yeah i got into a big argument with this chemistry teacher because i was trying to argue that something was a get was it really a gas or could it possibly be a liquid you know, and I was like, why do humans always have to classify everything? <laughs> why do we need to, like, to make sense of this world? Oh, that's funny. I like the chaos. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So that was really interesting times. Mm. And then, so by then, by the late 80s, you were jumping back and forth between L.A. and New York, weren't you? Yeah. I was uh, shooting a lot of fashion in the 80s, things for Details Magazine, for the Hamptons Newspaper Magazine. And... Uh, I discovered Beverly Hills <laughs> and uh, would come out here and stay at my friend's place up in the hills. I had to learn to drive to get down off the hill. Of course, because a New, New Yorker York. wouldn't know how to drive. No, I had no idea. So how you to drive. taught you what? You just jumped in someone's car and? No, I had to. I took driving lessons. Oh, I went oh, to okay. driving school, and they pick you up, and you learn how to drive on Mulholland Drive. All those curves and oh, stuff. Gee, so that's that a, was exciting. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, our neighbor up there was Warren Beatty. Yeah. So we'd go up there and watch movies at night and stuff like that. And with Warren? Out with Warren. Oh I know him for New York. Because he has this great screening room in his house. And that was fun times. And then the, if, to go to Universal Studios or something like that, it would be a 40 no, an $80 cab ride in those days. There was no Uber. So... It would cost me so much to just get off the hill that I had to learn to drive. Yeah. Wow. You know? $80. That's a lot. For a one way, just from Beverly Hills to Universal oh in my a gosh. cab. So the one thing in Los Angeles that's gone down in price over the years. 
yeah taxis. yeah uber right yeah <laughs> but um yeah so that was good times i used to shoot for uh, the hamptons newspaper magazine and i'd say it was in the hamptons but i'd shoot at poolside in beverly hills and oh. then just send the film in yeah. and stuff. So I've had different <laughs> shoots that I did in California, but say that it's in the Hamptons because it was supposed to be for the Hamptons newspaper magazine. And you'd just frame it in a way. And I'd just be like, oh, it's $99 just to come to L.A. in those days. Yeah. And so I'd just come back and forth during the month like a couple of times and just go shoot out here because it was fun. Really? Yeah. More fun than going to the Hamptons. I think LA would well, be Well, I did the Hamptons fun. a lot in those days and you know. Yeah. Was the Hamptons as fancy as it is these days? Oh yeah. Yeah. In its own little way. It's not as yeah, it's more hyped up now. Yeah. It was a little more quiet. But Wow. Yeah. I mean it's pretty amazing. You did a lot of your photography, you know, you were working for magazines and you were doing fashion photography. How do you think the industry has changed? over the years and, and now as a photographer is the way that you did it is, is that even a way to get into the industry i think it, it, in those days it was more exclusive because you had to know how to expose film right how to process film how to choose your film and your prints and everything and now everything is just as amazing on the iphone right so everybody's a photographer Charles Bush, who is a celebrity photographer, says to me, Sonny, we're all dinosaurs. We're all dinosaurs now. <laughs> because anybody can take a picture that's just as great as anything we did with their iPhone, and they can get it up there and sell it immediately or just show it to everybody straight away. It's just being a photographer is not so much a thing yeah, as right. it was. Yeah. Everybody's a photographer. Everybody has an automatic camera. Yeah. You know, they did, we didn't have that then. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. It's true. I mean, do you look at it and do you sometimes think, oh, I wish people wouldn't give away their amazing art and they should... No, you know what? It's just part of the progression of whatever. You have to just accept that that's the way it's going. The only, So that's why it's more interesting to me to take a look at some of the stuff that I had and yeah. maybe print some of that. But the you know the number of people that even remember who Alfred Hitchcock is or who you know Audrey Hepburn is and stuff like that it, that's dying out oh, so oh you're right that's my audience is dying i better get busy that yeah actually you should i mean so is that and in, in your true form of hustling what is your next step i mean have you plans to do a show of all of your archives I'm, stuff I'm working stuff on uh, my archives now to see whether I do have a show I'd like to show it probably in Palm Springs first because that's where all the old gay guys are yeah that still know who all, that, these, all these celebrities are isn't it we don't you don't think of those I mean you think of them as being legends Elizabeth Taylor Alfred Hitchcock you know Andy Warhol but yeah. there's I guess there are kids that don't know who Andy Warhol is and don't really care maybe they, if they <gasps> could if they take a second to look they you know and and look into their history then they they would but yeah I mean I've met people who didn't know who the Rolling Stones and Andy Warhol but are. once they work it out though oh I hope so and then I don't know I don't think your photos will be valuable for a while to come <laughs> I hope so you know so you do I mean you do a lot of stuff of you work with a lot of artists you have the venice art crawl you yeah. run that yeah danny samacow and edison stowell um of venice from james beach and venice paparazzi venice. Uh, started the venice art crawl yes nine years ago and uh i came on as an ambassador <laughs> yeah <laughs> and just you know we're telling people about the art crawl and um it's been nine years, and I've worked from ambassador to sponsorship director to president, well, vice president, and then president. So now I'm working my way down, <laughs> down the ladder. And um, it's it's uh, an exciting thing. to it's We're trying to keep art alive in Venice mm. because it's historically an art community, and uh, we want to maintain that heritage going mm. forward and so I'm really trying to 
uh, work together with a lot of other organizations to create Venice as an arts district. That's so get exciting. the city to, to label it an arts district. So we're working on that right now. And uh, next year will be 10 years, um, the 10-year anniversary of the art crawl. So that's exciting. That's going to be a big a big year and something yeah. to work towards. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the change? You've lived in Venice since the early 90s. Mm, since 98. Oh, 98. I thought it was Well, 95. 90, well, someplace in the 90s. I was everywhere. You were coming back and forth and then eventually <laughs> yeah. you were like, oh, hey, I haven't left <laughs> Venice for 10 years. Yeah. Um, do, do you, I mean, do you think that it's just like photography is evolving and now everyone has an iPhone that an arts area like Venice it's inevitable people realise that there's oceanfront property that they want to spend millions of dollars on and it pushes out the artists. Oh, yeah, it's pushing out the artists and people that have lived in Venice their whole lives. They're biz- small businesses that have been there since the, you know, since the 80s or the 70s, and they're all gone now because their rents have doubled and tripled and quadrupled, and it's just un- impossible for a mom and dad, mom and pop shop to mm. you know maintain it's horrible um well and i know i remember that uh, a few years ago on abikini because the rents went through th- i mean no, at some point i think it was almost more expensive than rodeo drive to rent yeah i think so on abikini and i did hear that i actually it was hourglass Co- cosmetics had rented the space and they said that they were just doing it or maybe it was rag and bone but one of those one of those companies were doing it Basically, so they could say they were in Venice on Abikini because a lot of and them it, do that. it was funded by their marketing budget, sure. not their. I'm sure. You know, and, it, and they were like prepared to make a loss just to be on the street, which that's you know. the only way that you can have a business on Abikini. How can you make, you know, thirty thousand dollars in rent? Well, yeah, because that's you thirty thousand dollars a month rent. You've got to be making double that to be. You know, Which and I'm that, sure and then some <laughs> companies must, you know, because they charge so yeah, much money yeah. for their. There's some expensive but, white t-shirts on Abikini. Oh <laughs> wow, yeah. Remember the? There was a store that came on Abikini last year or the year before, and they were selling white t-shirts for a hundred dollars. Oh really? A hundred. I thought I saw a three hundred dollar white t-shirt on Abikini. So Did I you? was going to say hundred dollars on Abikini. It's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, that must have been sale, but. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So um, it's really hard to have a business, I think, in Venice now. Yeah. And I, I remember you were telling me, because you talk about that you almost bought a studio in New York. Yeah. <laughs> I should have bought that studio in New York. Oh, my God. I had the chance. I could have, should have, would have. Um, I guess it was in the 80s the end of the 80s a 5,000 square foot studio for $500,000 that was a lot of money but oh my god how many millions must it be and where was it it was like it was like on fifth avenue and 26th (laughs) street or something like that it was awesome a whole floor is that the thing i mean is is it the lesson that people should buy they should buy their studio and not rent it or they should while they can buy something or or at the time were you like like, five hundred thousand is too much it wasn't going to be my money it was (laughs) going to be you know my mother's trying to get her brother to buy it or something oh. i don't know i mean i should have i mean there i think in in venice too we were looking at houses and there was a little cottage probably on on one of those walk streets down in venice and it was also five hundred thousand dollars for a one bedroom tiny little house well now that land that little house is like two three million dollars yeah I mean, is that do artists are just artists? Just they don't they need to be more business minded so they don't get pushed out when the when gentrification hits. It's they're you know artists are not that business minded. <laughs> they're they're barely able to sell their own artwork most times, I think. But um, you know, that's just the way the the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Artists go into the slummiest neighborhoods, transform them, turn them hip and happening, and they get pushed out and happens. It happens down in downtown LA. It happened here. It happened in West Hollywood. It happens, yeah. You know. So where are the artists now? Then they're just moving along. Where, where do you think? Bixby, Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they 
That's actually a lot of people, are, are, yeah, are saying that artists are moving out of Los Angeles altogether. Yep, they've gone to Phoenix, they went to... Maybe. Austin, I suppose Austin, Texas is probably now Yeah, that's already gentrified. Hip-hop, yep. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people went there, but I, I actually had an artist that moved back to New York because the rent was cheaper than Venice. Wow. He, he went to Brooklyn. Really? And Brooklyn's expensive, but it was cheaper How in Brooklyn. How long ago Brooklyn, was that? Like last year. Oh my after gosh. The, um, after that whole art complex that's on Sunset and 4th yeah. in Venice closed, I think t- we lost 20 artists yes. in that whole transformation of that area. I mean, and what is that now, that space? It's still artist space, but... Just more expensive. Very expensive. Right. So it's for the artists. On trust fund. With yeah, trust fund. The trustafarian artists. Mm-hmm. The kids being funded. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I, you know, there must be some space. There, you know, there are some people that still support the arts and that rent pl- their places for a reasonable amount of rent and just are supporting artists. Yeah. You know, are supporting. And Venice Art Crawl is doing what they can to support artists. Yeah, and I think a lot of artists moved to Mar Vista. So July 13th this year, we're going to join with the Mar Vista Art Walk and do a joint uh, Venice Art Crawl, Mar Vista Art Walk. That'll be all fantastic. All down Venice Boulevard. Mar Vista Art Walk is a good, is a it's really a great fun event. community art event. And, uh, you know, there are more artists, I think. You know, yeah, that have just sort of moved down the boulevard and gone that way. It's true. I think that it does have a a vibe. Mar Vista has a vibe of Venice, yeah. from ten years ago. Definitely, it kind of does, find. doesn't it? Mm. But Venice has the reputation and the name. You yeah. know, it's Venice, and we still have a lot of art. We have Beyond Baroque. We have Spark. We have Pacific Resin Theater. We have La Louvre. So yes. there's a lot of art on and our side, but people don't know about it. Yeah, and I, and I, there the are people. Venice artists who, you know, actually did have success and were able to buy a property. I mean, there are some oh, yeah, there know, are people in Venice that have They're been able here. to stay. They're still here. You're still in Venice. Amazingly <laughs> enough. What would you say to people, you know, like I guess we're talking generally about being an artist, but a photographer is being an artist. Like in this day and age, if someone's wanting to you know, make it as a photographer or make it as an artist, what would you say is are some important attributes and some things to consider? I think never give up. Just keep doing it. You know, you always have to find a way to pay your rent and to do stuff, but just keep doing it. And I think show your work, share your work is the big thing. I think that's what the art crawl has to give is everyone's an artist and everyone's welcome to show. We're not really hoity-toity about it but we embrace our legends and love showing work by you know ed moses or larry bell or whoever's showing at la louvre and also showing the work of children that are going to be our future artists like jacob massey who won the uh, my holiday, the oh poster my Venice cut. holiday poster competition. Yes. Actually, yeah, the cute that, little kids that the, we have this little competition. That is a great little competition that happens with the Venice sign lighting every yeah, year. Yeah, and the art crawl shows their work, and the kids are so cute. But you know what? Some kids have sort of risen to the top, and they're winning over and over again. And I'm like, wow, this little kid's going to be our little artist. You know, our future artist of venice oh and yeah. stuff and so yeah. you know keeping art alive in schools is so important and uh, you know keeping art programs in schools so important yeah and uh i think our schools in venice realize that and and nurture it and and uh i'm nurturing it because those are the artists that are you know funded by their parents yeah. <laughs> so oh, they yeah, they're re- really funded by their parents. <laughs> yeah, so they can eat afford to live here. Eat your vegetables, <laughs> eat your broccoli. <laughs> and I'll give you crayons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's great. So it's really, I mean, for you, you didn't go to any fancy schools and you were very, you were self-taught, so I suppose you are a perfect person to be able to say, like, if you want to do it, do it. Like, give yourself permission yeah, and to I, go out. I took classes. I mean, I did classes at the new school and at, School of Visual Arts and FIT, um, but 
yeah, I think it's great to go into a full-time, you know, uh, curriculum if you can afford it because it's quite expensive. But if you can't, you can do it. You know, you can just keep doing what you do and keep nurturing yourself and finding inspiration. There's lots of free museums and galleries and and ways to network with artists and see, you know, mm. get inspiration. And I think that with art crawls and different art festivals, there's always ways to show and to participate and do things. And it's yeah. important to do that. Yeah, that's true. And if someone does want to do the event, join the Venice Art Crawl, what is it that they have to do to be part of that? They have to find out where the next art crawl will be. Like March 1st will be on Abbot Kinney. So we're showing... Um, there are uh, all kinds of stores and galleries, not galleries, but there's all kinds of stores and spaces on Abbot Kinney. So you go in with your work to one of those spaces, make an appointment, and try to get them to let you show your work there for March 1st between 6 and 10 p.m., Yeah, which is going to be the same time as First Friday, so there'll be a lot of people there. Oh, it will be super busy, yeah. right? So it's and it is it's a col collaboration. Then it's artists can go, and it's any artist can go to any of the stores on Abikini and say, hey. and just say, hey, I'd like to show my art, or do you yeah. know it's going to be that art crawl? And um, then you before February fifteenth, put yourself on the map by going to veniceartcrawl dot com, and just load up the information of where you're going to show your work, and it'll populate into our map. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So it's, so a, it's, it's a super, super inclusive event. It is. It's a really great event and it's very community and it's very open to giving everybody the opportunity to show their art. How important do you think as an artist is it to, to put your work out there, to pick yourself and to put on your own shows? Yeah, I think it's really important actually because if you just keep doing your art and you don't share it with anyone... I mean, that's great. There are plenty of artists that do that, but, you know, the opportunity's lost to to share it, to let somebody else see it and to see the art that you're creating. I think it's a privilege to show it, and it's a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to buy art, you know, and and to just get appreciation. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. And how about, how do you get over that feeling of, oh, will anyone like it? Or, I mean, are you well and truly over that feeling? Or is that something that you just have to get over if you're going to be an artist? Um, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't really think about it. Yeah, you just put it out there. Yeah, just put it out there. People, I don't, I'm, I'm actually really surprised that people still want to see photographs I did in the 80s. Yeah. You know, of... I Beastie suppose you boys. were always doing, you were always shipping, you were always creating photos, you yeah. were doing photos for people in magazines and so you've gone you've gone well past that point of yeah, they, considering I, like what do people think of this. It's yeah, a, I don't, it's like, that's how I wound up being, doing it for so long was just that I just put it out there. Yeah. And then somebody wants it, so. That's why I'm still here. Like, I'm still, yeah, still <laughs> Oddly <here>. enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's amazing to me. I'm like, really? Oh, good. I take pictures and people are like, you should be a photographer. And you're like, <laughs> do, do people do that sometimes? Yeah. They're like, wow, you did well, actually, I am. You did, you did such a great selfie. You should be a photographer. <laughs> like, yeah, well. Would you take a picture of me in front of the sign? Sure. <laughs> actually, how many tourists in Venice have got photos of themselves? Quite a few. <laughs> from sunny back. <laughs> yeah, I'm with my friends. It's always funny. I'm like, oh, I'll take a picture. How's that? Oh, great. <laughs> actually, yeah, I do. Hanging around with you, you usually are poking a camera in someone's face at some point. Somebody, yeah. Yeah, always ask. You just can't, you can't help it. Yeah. And there's, there is, I mean, you have hundreds of photos of your days rolling with the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah, thousands. Thousands. Yeah. Um, and you've done exhibitions over the years, but there's, what, how many? Nine of them are in the current Beastie Boys book that, that oh, book yeah. that was just released? Is yeah. there nine of your like photos? Six or nine, yeah, not yeah. a lot. But um, the fun part, I saw there was a map in the back yeah. of where the Beastie Boys hang out at 
where where they hung out in New York and stuff. And I'm on the map. My old studio is right there. Oh my god! So it's like right over Adam Yauch's house. It's like just before his place on Christie Street. It's like number twelve. That's and so I thought, wild. oh, that's so funny. That's great. And going back in, and did it say Sunnyback Studio? Yeah, it does. Oh, so on their map, along with all their other friends' house that they used to hang out yeah. and stuff and all the bars and stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. And That's one of funny. your most, I guess, maybe probably the most iconic photo that you took of the Beastie Boys is in the in-sleeve of License to Ill. And there's a oh. photo of the three of the guys and they're... With the globe. With the globe. And from Flushing Meadow Park. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that, cool... Yeah. So if you've got license to ill, you should open it up and you can see a picture of, that Sunnyback took. <laughs> I think we, I'm wondering, are any, is any, does anyone want to win a Sunnyback photo? Of Jackie O. Jackie O. And this At is the palace way theater. back in Sunny's paparazzi days. How old were you when you took that photo? Oh, no, maybe 15 or 16. 15 or 16. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is vintage Sunnyback. Yeah. So this is a pretty amazing prize to Jackie, win oh the golden girl um so the number do you have the number give us a call 818-602-4929 it's 818-602-4929 yeah. give us a call i think we're going to get kicked out of the studio in a second so um if you want to win it you might we might have to defer it to instagram actually because i'm going hang on wait a second <laughs> I always think I've got an hour, but we've got 50 minutes and we're, our time is up, Sunny Back. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, Mel. It's been so amazing chatting with you and so inspirational. And I love, I love that you say never give up. Yeah. Just do, and just, it's kind of in the, in the way of just do it. I think Sunny Back's life has been, she just did it. <laughs> she never give, gave up. She's still going. <laughs> and if you want to um, have a bit of the Sunny Back magic, be part of the Venice Art Crawl. Yeah. It's a really, really great opportunity for artists and it's a great way to be part of the awesome Venice art community because it is going to continue with the Venice Arts District. So I'm so excited that you're forming that. Yay. Woohoo. And the next Venice Art Crawl is March 1st. So that's coming upon us very soon. So jump to veniceartcrawl.com is where you can find out details about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if you want to follow Sunny okay. back on Instagram. Oh, yeah, sbach007 on Instagram. Is that your Instagram? S-B-A-K. That's your Twitter. Oh, it's actually That's my Instagram as well. Oh, it is your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You're Sunny also Bach. Sunny back. S- and I'm also Sunny back. But um, I'm sbak007 on Instagram. That's amazing. Awesome. And Yay. I will put all those details, beautifulhollywood.com, so you can check that out. And uh, join us for more fun stuff online in in life. <laughs> Yay, thanks. Yay, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Sunny Back. This has been fun. Thanks, Mel. It was fun. And remember, keep going. Never give up. Never give up. <laughs> thank you, beautiful. Beautiful Hollywood. Beautiful.